Hey, I'm excited to be here. If you're a guest, welcome. If, if you're a regular, welcome. We're glad you're here. Most importantly, we're glad that Jesus is here, and this is week four of I Love My Church. This is the end of this series, and we're going to roll into baptism next week and then have baptism Sunday on the 30th. But I, I've loved this series, what it's done, bringing us together behind purpose and behind vision, and we're going to wrap that up today. Is that okay? What a great group of people that God is putting together in this place. Notice I didn't say that God has put together. Why? Because God is still putting this place together. Right? In the book of Acts, the Bible says that God added to the church daily those that were being saved. I believe there are more people to be saved. I believe there are more people to be added, more leaders to grow, more pastors to happen. Anybody? If you think we're finished at five, no. We're not finished at five. We're going to have a lot more pastors than we have right now. We're going to have a lot more people than we have right now. Why? Because God is not finished, and there are a lot of people that do not know who Jesus is, and that's why we're here. I believe we have a lot of growing to do. Who believes that with me? Yeah. I'm going to ask for some interaction today, so be, you better pay attention. Because I want to ask for interaction. So let's recap our first three weeks. Week one was about our core vision, who we're called to reach. Proverbs 29, 18 says, if, my, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they, attend, when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So when we find the vision that God has for us and we attend to it and we follow that vision, we're most blessed. The King James says, without vision, people perish. But when we see the vision that God has for us, we attend to it, and we follow after, we seek after that vision, we are most blessed. And that's where I want to be, is most blessed. We, we've recapped at Life Center, we're called to reach two groups of people, people who don't know Jesus, the first group, and people who've been hurt by religion. And that's a big group, too. That's a big group. So that's, that's who we're after. We're after anybody and everybody, but that's our specific focus is those two groups of people. And if something doesn't point toward one of those two things, we're probably not going to do it. Why? Because it doesn't point toward the vision because it doesn't, it's not part, it's not going to get us where we're going. Does that make sense? Week two, we shared about the actions that we take to, to make the vision a reality. First Peter 4 says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Love God, love each other. It's that simple. When we get those things, those two things, when we get those things right, we will turn our communities upside down because it really is that simple. Love God and love each other. And last week we talked about how we pour ourselves out and what that creates. And today we're going to talk about where we're going. Who wants to know? Who wants to know? Some of y'all don't. Y'all, some of y'all just want to go to lunch. Are the Ravens playing today? Because <laughs> they lost on Thursday. <laughs> No tailgating today. Come on, y'all. Let's talk about the atmosphere of our church. I believe that God accepts us wherever we are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's where God finds you, and that's where he accepts you. But I promise you he will never, ever leave you where he finds you. From the point that, that you're introduced to Jesus, he is on a mission to make you better. 
He is on a mission to grow you, and he is on a mission to make you into the person that he created you and designed you to be. Because when we, when we live in sin, there is no way for us to be that person. Does that make sense? Before we know Jesus, there's no way that we can fulfill God's plan for our life. Why? Because we're separated from him by sin. But once that barrier is broken, once we're introduced to him, he begins a process to grow us, to fill us, to make us better than we ever imagined that we could be because that's his vision for our life. And that's what he wants to do in every single one of us. If we're following Jesus, there will be real, let me say this a different way. If we're following Jesus, there will Everybody say will. There will be real, tangible, visible evidence. What's that mean? I'm going to read you something that one of my friends wrote last week. And it's talking about personal revival and what that leads to and how that influences community revival. Just bear with me a couple minutes. I'm going to read this. I don't do this a lot, but I feel this, this, this bears reading. Over the past month or so, I've been seeing a lot of different people posting about revival. If you don't know a Revival, back in, as I was growing up, Revival was having a guest preacher come in, preach for a week. Everybody got rededicated, re-saved, new people came in and got saved. That, that was the point of Revival. So that's the basis for what this is. Some, some of the posts uh, of excitement about how God has been working through Revival, some are posts questioning what real Revival looks like, and some are posts praying for Revival for the church. As I've read these various posts... It has led me to question my own beliefs concerning revival and what it means and how we can know if it's authentic. The conclusion I've come to is this. It's not our place to judge whether or not others are experiencing true revival or not because ultimately that is between that person and the Lord. There will be long-term visible evidence of true revival. In the life of an adult that is experiencing revival, this may look like strongholds of addiction being broken, marriages being restored, divorce occurring less often, Parents beginning to truly discipline their children and forgiveness and restoration being extended and received in relationships that were all but lost. Workplace and homes will begin to look different. In the lives of students experiencing revival, their schools will begin to look different. The language in the hallways and the way students are dressed will be different. There will be fewer students sitting alone and more students being included. There will be more respect for authority figures and less gossip and cliques. Relationships with their siblings and parents will look different, as will their relationships with the opposite sex. As both adults and students experience revival, entire communities will, look, will begin to look different. This is because when true revival is happening, it means that the things that matter to God begin to matter to his people. And when this happens, it means the church starts being the church outside of the church building. Whenever revival happens, whether at our own church or at another church, all Christians should celebrate what God is doing because ultimately we are all on the same team. And, whatever God is and whenever God is changing or restoring lives, we are all winning. Revival should be the prayer of, our, of all Christians for all churches. Whether we are currently experiencing revival or if we're feeling so discouraged that we can, can't ever imagine revival taking place, it should be what we long for, what we pray for. God is faithful and always working for our good. And many times we have not because we ask not. Our prayers should be for revival and our hearts should be open and to allow God to begin it in us. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Come on, somebody. That was good. 
Because when personal revival begins to happen in me, my life changes. And as my life changes, it influences those around me that I have influence over. That's called leadership because leadership is called influence, right, leadership track? Leadership is influence. And when I have influence over somebody, I am leading them to something. And if I am rooted and grounded and growing in Christ Jesus, guess where I'm going to lead them? I'm not going to lead them outside doing something crazy. I'm going to lead them to Jesus. And when that's happening in my life, as, a, as, as the man of my home, it's going to happen in my relationship with my wife. It's going to happen in my relationship with my kids. And my family is going to be closer, more healthy, and it's, more, it's going to resemble what God has designed us to be. Why? Because at that point, we're all following Jesus, and personal revival is happening in all of our life. And, and my personal revival has affected my family. And then my family is going to affect our extended family and school places and workplaces and all those things because your life is a witness. That's where we're going because I'm, I'm hearing more stories every single week. The more time I spend one-on-one talking to people, the more stories I'm hearing. I used to not believe in God, but I'm here now. My life has completely changed. I used to be addicted to this, but I'm not any longer. I used to not have any desire to go to church, but here I am. I can't wait to get here on weekends. This is the best day of my week. That's... For somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus to say, now Sunday is the best day of my week because I get to come here, if you don't think that's radical life change, oh my goodness, you need a perspective change. Because if you, if you have someone that doesn't believe that Jesus is real, and they have an experience with him, and now they can't wait to get to church on Sunday because it's the best week of their, the day of their week, and they can't wait to interact with him with a group of people... That is life change, and that's what God wants to do in every one of us. I don't care if you've been here 125 years, and nobody has been. You can have a perspective change, and God can bring revival and new perspective to you. This is the very definition of being the change that we need to see. And Jesus said he wouldn't stop until that good work is complete. I got some perspective Yesterday, as we, we visited with, with my wife's grandfather who started this church in 1965, and he is now 95 years old. And he's still, we get there and he's got a cane he's holding on to, but we get there, he lays the cane down and hops up. <laughs> How y'all doing? But as I began to talk to him, some, some things came into perspective. Do you, he started this church in 1965, but do you realize that, that just a couple years before that, that he was an alcoholic? A lot of y'all don't know that. But when we look at our purpose and we look at who our church is reaching and we look at this, at, at what's happening here, it begins to come in a little more focus as to why God is saving the people he's saving right now, why, why the focus is where it is right now. It's because the, the person who started this church was a former addict. How cool is that? Purpose. Vision. Mission. What are we called to do and who are we called to reach? The people who are far from Jesus. That's the person who started this church. A person far from Jesus. And his conversion experience, I'm hoping I can get him to tell it. Like, so everybody can hear it. Whether it's here in person or recorded, I don't know. But his conversion experience was the Apostle Paul. It was one of those. And, and what he's done, we got in the car, and one of my kids said, I wonder how many people know Jesus because of Papap. Thousands. 
not just 20, 30, 40, 50. That's a great number. If you get to heaven and you have 50 people with you, that's a big deal. But you're talking this former addict, let's just call it what it was. He said, I would get paid on Friday and it was gone by Saturday. I would get home, I would wake up and I would say, how did I get home? Where's my car? I would look out and it was in the driveway and I have no idea how it got there. He said, but I know my paycheck was gone on Saturday. And then Fran had to figure out how to feed the kids. That's an addict. And, and, and God used that man, that person, radically changed his life. And there are people on different continents in this world preaching and reaching people today because they were saved under his ministry. There are people in different states of this country preaching today because they were saved under his ministry. So he's preached in different parts of the world. Why? Because he allowed God to do something in him. And when he converted and when he had his experience and he changed from not wanting anything to do with church to where he had to be there and all he read was the Bible. When he allowed God to do an amazing, redemptive work in him, he changed the world, literally. Because there are people all, all over the world who would not have known Jesus if Ralph McIntyre hadn't listened when God spoke to him. God will complete the work that he started in you. And I believe this atmosphere that we've been praying for, that we've been working for, I believe it's catching on. Nobody else believes that with me? I believe it is. I believe this is what we've been waiting for. I believe that we're getting there. It's been a long road. It's been a hard road, and we aren't finished. We're making real progress. A couple weeks ago, I was, I was thinking, and, and it was before last Sunday, and I was thinking of all the people that are here and all the, I was, I was just thinking, God, this, there's so many miracles sitting in our seats from people who were diagnosed with, with terminal illnesses to people who were addicts and, and now you're, you're, you're clean and you've been clean for a long time and some have been clean for a short time and you're, you're changing your families and you're changing your lives. There's so many miracles in here. And then when, when Megan was up here singing last week and uh, just a year ago, she was bald because she had, she's 17 years old and bald because she was undergoing chemotherapy and now she's completely two, two scans later, no cancer, and she's healthy. And, and it, it's just, there are so many miracles that are here. I believe this is a place where anything can happen. Anything can happen. The Bible says we have not because we ask not, but it also says as your faith is, so shall it be. With all, what's, what's Hebrews 12 say? Since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us throw off every weight and sin that easily besets us or slows us down, and let us run with patience the race marked out before us. We are surrounded in this room today by miracles. And if there's something in your life that you can't get past, if, if there's an addiction that's hanging you up, if there's an attitude, or if you, ha if you hate somebody, or if you can't forgive someone, Whatever you're facing, if it's sickness, if it's, if it's lack of, of provision for your family, whatever situation that you find yourself in, it can be taken care of. But I, I promise you, if you're facing something in here today, there's someone in here that's already beaten it. There are people that have been sick that have been healed. There are people that have hated on people that are healed of that. They've forgiven. There are people that haven't had money, and now, they, now they're okay. Whatever you faced, you may feel alone. 
Pastor Andrew and I were having a conversation this weekend, and when the prophet was in the, in the cave, he was like, I'm the only one, God. I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. Woe is me. God's like, get up, you dummy. I've got a whole group of people that you don't know anything about. They've already faced what you're facing, and they're through it, and they're faithful. Well, guess what? You may feel like you're the only one facing what you're facing today. But I promise you, someone not far away that you don't know, someone in this room has already been through what you're going through. And whatever it is, they can help you through it. That's, that's just how this works. Because we don't go through things just to go through them. What you've been through, it's now your responsibility to help someone go through and conquer what you just beat. That's your job. Love God, love each other. And if I love you and I see you suffering, guess what? I'm going to do what I can to help you through what you're facing. That's just what I'm going to do. Trying to be on time today. This... That's true. I struggle with that. This is the place of miracles. This is a place of miracles. Who remembers? This is my story from the beginning of the year. We shared some miracles. Some people that shouldn't be here. And they're here and they're working. So this is a place of miracles. They aren't finished yet. They aren't finished yet. Your story that you are going to share. Everybody say me. me. The story that you're going to share is going to help someone else become a miracle. Right. And we're all going to be statistics together, but good ones and not bad ones. Right. Is that okay? That's why we're here. So let's talk about some logistical and some future things. I'm, I'm going to hit this briefly and we're going to move on. In the very near future, we, we hit this a little bit last week, we're going to put our, our services on the internet. We're going to, we, have, we have held back on this because the last thing, not the last thing, one of the things that I don't want to do is to put something of low quality and something that's hokey on the... I don't want to be one of those churches because I watch those churches and sometimes I laugh. I'm just going to be honest with you. Pastor Andrew and I used to work together back in, in, the, in the early 2000s and we would drive to work together and we would have this, this radio station in Glen Burnie would have this church on in the afternoons. And man, it was like a free-for-all. And it, it was just unorganized. It was people calling out and having conversations during the message. And we would just laugh our heads off because that was, it was funny to us. I, don't, I didn't want to be that church. But in the near future, we are going to put our services streaming live on the Internet. Isn't that cool? We've got people in different states asking for us to do that so they can be part of our church. The Bible says to go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. Well, we're going to go out into the old interwebs, and we're going to compel them to come. We have highways and hedges, but we also have the World Wide Web that we can get on, and we can compel people to come to our church, and that's what we're going to do. The second thing is a little more challenging. We, we are to the place right now, we're getting past the summer slump that every church goes through in the summertime, but when everybody gets back, we are hitting that number. We're bumping up against that number. And at some point, probably this fall, I would say at the latest after Christmas, we're probably going to two services. Some of y'all don't care. Some of y'all excited. And the people who work on Sunday mornings are like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> 
What does that mean for you? If you just come to church here, you get to pick a time when it's convenient for you. And we're just happy to serve you like Chick-fil-A is. If this is, if, if this is just your hangout on Sunday mornings, it just got more convenient for you. But if you work here, it means what you do, you do twice. But see, we're, we're parking four cars deep in the back. And, and it's, it's, it's becoming a struggle. We, we came to the, uh, the, our NA meeting here on Sunday night, this past Sunday, and y'all, I got some pictures. We rounded the corner down by the fire station, and just as we were coming around the corner, there were cars on both sides of the street all the way to the corner. The parking lot was three and four deep. There were cars all the way. There were cars all the way to the police station. So from the firehouse to the police house, there were cars. They were double and triple parked on both sides of the road. That is awesome. That is life change happening in this room. In this room. And if you're here and you're involved in that meeting, I love your guts, man. Because y'all are working to change people's lives and you're working hard and God is using you to, to bring a lasting effect on our community. And I told Pastor Andrew this week, this, this past week, I'm like, dude, we may just have a couple, a, a huge church and, and, in the army. I'm okay with that. That's exciting to me. Why? Because they, if you've experienced life change like that, you can believe God for anything. So I want y'all, wherever you are in this room, there are a lot of y'all. I want your faith to, to grow because what God has done in your life, he's doing in other people's lives. And you may hit speed bumps, but God, God he's got your back. You're doing his work, and he will protect you. So thank you for what you do. Yesterday, our prime timers took, took Papap, that's Tawana's grandfather, out for his birthday. And, and there were, 10 of y'all took him out to eat, and I said, they took him to crab quarters. I said, did you get a crab cake? Oh, yeah. He said, that's what I get when I go there. But that, that made his day. That, that, prime, that prime timers group is amazing. And Pastor Philip, you're, you're a rock star. And what you do, it can't be, it can't be counted. I'm, I'm glad to say today that Pastor Jason and Lisa are back leading Pulse. They, they took some time off this year because of some stuff going on. And, and from February till last week, they were, they were taking care of their family. And, and, and y'all, they fought hell. But guess what? They're back. They're back. God saw them through what was the, has been the darkest time of their life. And guess what? They're back and they're right where God has designed. And what was so cool to me is when we had a meeting here on Wednesday night after our grow track class, we had a meeting with the, with the team on Wednesday night and the excitement of their team that they had put together to lead Pulse was palpable. And their team was so glad to get them back. That is amazing. And I believe our student ministry is about to go crazy. I believe that. I believe that. So we're going to two services. I don't know what all that looks like yet, but it's going to be fun. And it's going to be a lot of work. But guess what? Are two full services better than one? Yes. Absolutely. So what's going to have to happen after? I don't know. This is the next step. This is the next door that's opening. That's all I know right now. He doesn't always give us the whole atlas. Some of y'all don't know what an atlas is. You're like, I got Google Maps. 
We don't get the whole picture, but what we have, as the light shines in your path, you walk on that path. This, in the next 12 months, we need, to, we need we're going to, if you notice, we've, we've been working incrementally in here for years. Six, seven years we've been steady working. And some disasters have helped us, but we've been working. But a lot of the outside of our church hasn't been touched since the early 90s. So we're almost 20 years on some things. And instead of being four, parked four deep, I would like everybody to have a parking spot. Who, who would like that? It'd make Ross's job easier. <laughs> so we're looking at expanding our parking lot. We're looking at resurfacing our parking lot with, with a, a new roof and some new siding and things like that. Well, guess what? That's about $100,000. Just We'll drop 50 in a parking lot. Easy. They're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I feel that way too sometimes when I think about those numbers. But guess what? That's going to happen. I believe that's going to happen. Why? Because people are going to give. And there's something about giving. A lot of y'all are, are catching the vision and you're catching the, the, the teaching of principled giving. And that's what you do every single time you get paid. And that's, that's what God asks of, asks of us from Scripture. You, you're getting the hang of that. That's tithing and offering. But Paul said that, that sometimes it's time for us to leave elementary teaching of, of things. And, and that is a very elementary, ground-level thing that we do. It's a principle. But I believe that God is going to lead some people into spirit-led giving. What does that mean? It means that instead of checking the box and, and you, you go and you either bring something here on Sunday morning or you, you, can, you can go on your phone and you can do your thing and, and, and bring your tithes and bring your offerings, you can do that. That's the perfunctory thing that we do. And thank you for being faithful because without that, we don't do what we do. We don't do that. That's required to, to operate what we do. But when you start talking about things like parking lots and siding and expansions and things like that, that's, that's stuff that that doesn't cover. And I believe that God is going to speak to some people and some people, it, there's, a, there's a mindset when, you know, we don't do, we don't do faith pledges. We don't do fundraisers. Uh, we, we don't do those things. Why? Because I don't want to be that church. I don't feel like that God has called us to be that church, and we don't do those things. Am I saying that we will never, ever? I'm not saying we'll never, ever, but I'm saying I don't like to do those things. I don't like to ask for money. So most of the time, unless something's crazy, I don't do it. What I do is I rely on God to speak to people and for people to catch vision of what's going on here and say, I want to be a part of that. I'm at least going to be faithful in what God's called me to do because I want to be blessed. Because that's one of the keys to unlocking blessings in our life is if we're faithful with the principles of giving that God has, has given us in Scripture. But I believe a step beyond that is, is when God begins to speak to people. You can't give if you don't have. And what did Pastor Andrew say two weeks ago? That, that if you give of what God, God's given you, talent, treasure, and time, that he will backfill and resupply. Here's what I believe. When, back in the day when we used to we took faith pledges about everything. The, 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 the conditioned response was, who, when, when, when the question was, who wants to give some money? I'll give 100 bucks. That was, that was the, the, the first, the somebody raised hand, I'll give 100 bucks. And that, if, that's, if 100 bucks is a huge sacrifice for you, that's awesome that you're doing that. That's awesome that you're having that much faith to do that. But there's some people that 100 bucks means nothing to you. 
I'm not there yet, but <laughs> but to some people, you don't feel a hundred dollars. God may speak to you and ask you to drop fifty grand in a project. Are you gonna listen? I don't know. That's between you and God, and it just got real quiet. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I have a friend who's a pastor who's talking about this this project they were gonna move and, and, and move into a new space, and their 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 budget was like six hundred thousand dollars to transition. And he's like, I just didn't know, had no idea where it was going to come from. And we, we put this out there. And he said, most of it came in, and we were just, we were like 150000 short. And he's like, this guy called me and asked me out to lunch. And I, I went and met him for lunch. And um, he said he had this, this box. And he said, I had no idea what was going on. He said, I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> and he's like, we were halfway through our meal, and this guy put this, this old, not a shoe box. He said it was leather. He's like, just put this old box on the table. And he's like, I've been saving this. And I didn't know why. You know, I was saving it for, for a new bike or something. like. I don't know what it was. Uh, and he's like, I, I've been saving this. And God spoke to me and I, he told me I'm supposed to give it to the church. And he's like, dude, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for, what you, thank you so much for listening to God, for, you know, for being available and for, for giving God your resources. And, you know, went through the whole thing. And he's like, we had lunch. He said, I didn't open it. We had lunch. He said, I, I went back to the office. He said, didn't open I've been in, in the car. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> he said, I didn't open it. I got back to the office. He said, dude, it was $150,000. I'm not talking about a multimillionaire. But I'm talking about somebody who God blessed. Who was available to give back what God had given him. And I'm not telling you to write a check for $150,000. I'm just saying, I believe that God is going to move us. We'll maintain our principle of giving, but I believe there will be instances where God will speak to somebody and they will do something like this. The vision is here. The provision will come. But I believe there will be spirit-led giving that will open up in this place. And I believe that when we need it, it will happen. And I believe as we move forward and these projects are coming up, I believe that God is going to speak to people. And some of it, I will be honest with you right now, like I haven't been all morning. <laughs> A lot of that is on me. Because I have this thing that I don't want to be the church that begs for money. I don't want to be that stigma. I don't want to do that. So we don't fundraise. We don't ask for faith promises. And a lot of times we have needs that we don't talk about. We just try to nickel and dime it together and make it happen. So I've made God a promise that if he speaks to me and, and tells me to, to present something, I'll present it. Why? You have not because you ask not. That's what the Bible says. So, no, I'm not going to hound you about money. No, we're not going to do a bunch of faith promises and fundraisers. But if we have some, a project going on, I will let you know, and I will. Here's the difference in mindset. I'm not going to imposition you and ask you to speak to God and let him lead you in giving. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be blessed. That's the mindset flip. When we change from, oh, this is an obligation to I get to do this. What's the script? We, we, there's a scripture um, that we use in GrowTrack that says people pleaded with the apostles to give them the privilege of 
participating, not just in church, in this portion of church, in the giving part. So that's where we're going, and I, that's going to be a work that God does in you. That's between you and him. So that's, that's where we're going in the near future. I don't know when. You know, we may go two services, three services, four. I know people that do five in the same church. I don't know if we're going to go all that. I don't know. But I, at some point, we're outgrowing this corner. It will happen. I don't know if we'll expand. I don't know if we'll build. I don't know. I don't know. But I know when the time comes, God will open the right door and we will walk through it. I'll make you that promise. Is that okay? There you go. I believe God is, is going to give us a group home. You're like, what? That, that's a lot to say. But let me, let me ask this question. Who better to have a place that will love on kids that no one wants? Who better to show them love than people who have experienced unconditional love? Who better to mentor them than people who have been mentored by the best? Who people to, who's better to give them what they need? Not a system that's going to grind them up and spit them out when they age out. But what if, let's not talk about babies. Let's talk about teenagers. And they've been passed over and passed over. And they don't feel love. They don't feel acceptance. They just go from place to place. What if we could do longer term and people in this room that God has poured into you could give back and pour into them. And when they age out of a system that does all they do is, is provide for them financially, when they age out of that system and they get to go to school and their school is paid for, they get to go to a place where they can serve and give back what's been given to them. And this, this process of reciprocity starts happen, happening. And, and those people that were, those, those kids that were alone and broken and unloved suddenly feel not just the love of Jesus, but the love of a community that will take care of them and love them and accept them no matter where they're coming from or what they've done and will give them a secure place to live. I'm not talking about just picking them up for church. I would love to have a home where they live. What does that look like logistically? I have no clue. But this is bigger vision. See, this, this isn't just about us having a cool place to come to church. This isn't just about having a new parking lot or new siding or a better sound system or more comfy chairs. This is about us helping Jesus bring lasting, impactful life change to someone that otherwise may never, ever hear about what he can do in their life. And I had a great childhood with parents that loved me and spoiled me. But these kids, if you tell them their Heavenly Father loves them, that's not going to make any sense because they don't have a dad. And maybe the one they had was horrible. And they're going to be like, why would I want something like that? But if through time and investment, I believe God will give it to us. Some are like, that's not the, that's not the mission of the church. If that's not what is. If that's not what is, what does Peter say about that? True religion and undefiled before the Father is this, to visit the, the fatherless and the widows in their plight. That's, right. that's King James. Yep. That's, right. that's what it's about, is bringing 
the gospel to people who otherwise wouldn't get it. What do you think Jesus did? Why do you think the religious people hated him so stinking much? Because he didn't conform to what the, the flavor of the day was. And the flavor of today is cool church. Come once a week and we got the shirts and the cups. And I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. We're doing it. We're doing that. But I believe there's something more. I believe this is just a vehicle. And this is just a vehicle for somebody to find out who Jesus is and what he can do in their life. And if we can start a stinking GoFundMe page to help an entitled child become a trillionaire or a billionaire, whatever it was, if y'all don't know, one of these entitled kids were they were like I don't like a, a hundred thousand dollars away from being a billionaire at twenty years old. So somebody, in all their wisdom, started a GoFundMe page, and guess what? Enough money was donated to make that person a billionaire. How incredibly short-sighted and stupid is that? That makes me angry. That's such a misuse of resources. How much money will it take to have a group home? I don't know, probably a million, million and a half dollars to get started. Okay. Where's it coming from? I don't have a clue. But I believe it'll come. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So how do you get a million and a half? Dollar at a time. Fifty at a time. Five grand at a time. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know how it'll happen. But I believe God will give us this, and it's going to be our opportunity to affect generations. Because you reverse something like that at a kid, oh my goodness. You have just impacted generations by changing one person's life. What if we can change a few hundred? Get this. Get this. What about if we, could, if we could help single expecting moms that are on their own? There are places to do it, but what if we could do it too? How cool would that be? We love you. Jesus loves you. We don't have the hows yet. All we have is the why. And some of this sounds huge and crazy. Y'all may think I'm nuts. That's okay. If your vision doesn't freak you out a little bit, it's not big enough. If your vision doesn't freak you out a little bit, it's not big enough. If you can do your vision all by yourself, it's not big enough. Why? Because it's, it's my, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And when I admit that I can't do this and I give this to him, and I, but, I, but I walk in those steps as he provides and opens doors, that's when magic is going to happen. That's when God is going to do something huge, and I've got to fly right now. I believe they will happen. There's a difference between dreaming about something and realizing that you can be a part of that dream. And that dream is yours and it becomes yours. It's called taking ownership. It's saying this is mine and I'm going to do what I need to do to make it happen. Let me ask you a tough question. Do you believe that the dreams and vision of Life Center can happen? Do you believe they can happen? Either y'all are really excited or you know it's getting close to the end and you're excited about that. One of the, I'll take either one. I don't care. Do you realize that you, pay a, you, you play a huge part in making all this happen? Do you realize that? Do you realize that this is your community? That you 
are an important piece of God's kingdom. Do you realize that? Next question, are you committed to doing what is necessary to make these dreams and vision become reality? What is the, undercurring, the, the recurring theme, the underlying theme here besides Jesus? It's you. John 14 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. These are the things that you will do. So let me ask you again, do you believe that these things can happen? Do you realize that you have a part to play in making them happen? And are we committed to the process to making them happen? I believe what's going to happen in this house is going is to free thousands of people. It's going to free thousands of people. I believe that some of you are going to speak to a person. You're going to pray with a person, and they're going to be delivered. They're going to be healed. They're going to be saved. Whatever needs to happen in their life is going to happen because you, you connect with them, and you speak with them, and you pray with them. This is your community. Let's take ownership. Let's own this thing today. This isn't just where you go to church. It's not just where you buy a Life Center t-shirt. But there are hats and magnets coming too. And insulated cups and all kinds of stuff. So this isn't just where you do those things. This is about owning our piece of the kingdom of God and doing what he's called us to do. I know Jesus. I have found freedom. I've discovered my redemptive purpose. Now I'm going to make a difference. Here it is. There's a challenge today. I believe that God, from, from, the, from today, I believe this is a mark that we're going to use. And God is going to put people on our path that are hungry, that, that are looking for something that are looking for something outside themselves. I believe that God is going to begin to speak to people, and I'm going to be getting phone calls. Pastor, I, I, want, to, I want to give some money toward this project. I believe it's going to happen. It's, it's called being spirit-led. I believe that, that we're about to see explosive growth, and we'll go to three real quickly if we have to. We'll do it. We'll do whatever we got to do. Here's the challenge. If this is your home, if this is your community, if this is your church, I almost said if you love us, that might be stretching it sometimes. This is the challenge for you. I would, I'm asking that every person that this is your church, that you today, September 16th, as a mark, and sometime in the next 15, 14, 15 weeks, that by the end of this calendar year, by December 31st, that there is one person that says Life Center is my home because of you. Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. And it begins to lay out places. It basically means the, the entire world. But the first place is where you are. And that's what we're going to focus on between now and the end of the year. Does that resonate with anybody? I'm asking you to have, be responsible, each person in this room, if this is your home, be responsible for one person being in this church and calling it home by the end of the year. Well, that means we'll double. It does. We'll, hand, we'll worry about that. The Lord will give us resources and help us work out logistics. We're, all we're responsible for right now is getting people, getting people. Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. Thank you for bearing with me. I went longer than I wanted to today, but hopefully you caught something today that's going to 
embed you in the, in the vision of this church and you're going to be excited and the times that it's not exciting, that that's going to carry you through those moments. So bless you all this week. I hope you have a fantastic week. We have a leadership track this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Church again next Sunday. Give somebody a hug. Tell them how awesome they are. They love them. We'll see you all next Sunday.